Very happy to welcome in Big Ten Coach of the Year and leader of the Big Ten Team of the Year in women's soccer, Jeff Hostler. Jeff, how are you? I'm great, Jack. Uh, great to be back on with you again. Well, I know this is men's soccer, not women's soccer, and we have to wait till next year for the Women's World Cup. But how much of the men's tournament in Qatar have you followed? I mean, I'm a soccer junkie all the way around, uh, you know, regardless of gender. So uh, we've had it on the office every day. Uh, I mean, early days, those first few few match days, you know, we had – I was up for some of the 5 a.m. matches uh, that week. <laughs> but it's on in the office. It's another thing that, like, it just brings – you know, I feel from the athletic department that – you know, stop in to watch pieces of it or ask questions and obviously brings more players in around the offices. So it creates kind of a buzz. Um, and it's been, man, what a, what an incredible tournament it's been so far. Well, today we had Argentina and Croatia. See if Croatia can pull another mammoth upset. Uh, wasn't their day. Three nothing <laughs> win for the Argentines. Uh, when did you know this match was over? You know, if I'm going to be honest with you, for all the soccer I've watched, I didn't get a chance to watch it today. Uh, we're oh. we're about to have a dead period, so we are heavy in the transfer portal uh, with visits this week. So okay. the first time I saw it was 3-0 in the, I think, 83rd minute. Um, okay. But it sounds like, from what I quickly picked up on social media, it sounds like Messi put on a show. Uh, yeah, Rob, you were watching some of it, right? I was. I was. I guess I want to uh, hear Rob's is... official insight to this. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I don't know if you want to call it insight, but tell uh, us what you saw. Well, this is Messi's tournament. Yeah, now, this right? is this is Messi's tournament. Obviously, winning the World Cup—that's uh, a big thing yet to do for him. So a lot of pressure on him and the Argentines to get it done. But uh, I mean, he took the pressure and ran with it literally uh, today, and uh, really, as you said, Coach, really put on a show. Um, yep. and, so for any real soccer fan, and you could argue, is he the best soccer player in the world? I would, I would argue that he is. Would you agree with that? I think there's a, there's certainly an argument to be made for it. There's no question. You know, it's um, the way he's played on. Like Argentina's obviously had their ups and downs. Uh, you know, potentially not qualifying for a few previous cups, uh, having high expectations and others. I mean, who's not rooting for Argentina to take this thing home? Uh, well, I can tell you one player. We have we have a player yeah. named Rania Sanhaji, uh that plays for the Morocco national team, obviously on the female side. So <laughs> she's living a dream right now with them being in the other semifinal tomorrow. Well, all the players from France and Morocco aren't rooting for Argentina. But I want to go back to Rob's question. We used to hear the debate, uh, Messi or Ronaldo, and uh, Darian Harris, who's a, a soccer Fanatic uh, has always been on the Ronaldo side of that argument. Uh, now uh, you've got Kylian Mbappe from France, and uh, he's younger. Certainly, he's going to be around a lot longer than Messi. Uh, how would you rank those three guys? Well, I mean, right now, like in current form, I mean, Ronaldo has to be a clear three um, okay. based on form, not just in the cup, but over the last three months. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Mbappe, I mean, for as young as he is, like the, the, the narrative last last World Cup was, you know, incredible athlete. It was all about his pace and power. And that guy, you know, he's obviously still so electric from an athletic standpoint, but the ability to operate in tight spaces and to, to navigate and beat double teams um, or additional support defensively, 
he's he's doing those things that Messi was able to do, just single-handedly take over matches, um, and and showing that again here at the Cup. So, if we're talking Cup exclusive, like the, over the last three weeks, man, I mean that's a coin flip between those two. Um, I'd be hard pressed to say one over the other, but I, I think the the jump that Mbappe has made has just been so significant for Messi to continue to do it at his age. Um, is really remarkable. What is the age difference between them, and what is generally considered to be, I know there are freaks or exceptions, too old to be outstanding at international soccer at the highest level? Some of it's position dependent. I mean, there's goalkeepers that can play a lot longer. Obviously, there's not a, the same fitness level. Um, they're not running as much. Their body's not taking a wear and tear that way, you know, but differently from hitting the ground for so many, so many times. I, my guess, you know, I think Messi's 35, maybe pushing 36. Uh, I, I want to say Mbappe is 20 in the last cup, so we're talking about a 10-year difference uh, would be my, my estimation, you know, with Neymar kind of being right in the middle of that age gap. Uh, I do think Ronaldo's a couple years older than Messi. Um, oh, okay. But that's pretty remarkable. You're talking about comparing maybe a 24, 25-year-old to, to 35 and 37-year-olds as the best in their field. Yeah. Yeah. Coach, you- I saw there was a, a free kick again today, and Messi is so good at those. I mean, uh, penalty kicks and, uh, you know, even uh, at the end of the game uh, when it's it's even. And, uh, you know, he's got so many different ways to score. And he has yeah. this hesitation move, which, I mean, just makes the goalie look so silly. They have to guess, and they're going to go to one side or the other. And he just waits, and, you know, they're practically laying on the ground, and he just drills it into the net. But uh, yeah. it, as far as what he does, uh, not only does he beat you, he makes you look silly in the process. <laughs> yes, he does. He uh, And he does it with his baggy shorts, too. You know, he's got yeah. like a little fab five in him or something. Uh, <laughs> he uh, he does. He does it a variety of ways. Um, he's so tricky. And at the same time, like, you never – like he obviously plays with emotion, but like he never seems rattled. Uh, the moment never seems too big. Uh, I mean, this is a guy for all his brilliance. I mean, he gets probably fouled more than anybody in a, in a in a match that he's involved in and put to ground to just try to slow him down. And obviously, stature wise, he's not a big guy, so he just get, he, he kind of has that, like Allen Iverson in a little bit for to make a basketball analogy where you know, he goes hard to the rim, he gets knocked down, but gets back up every time. Um, and comes right back at you again. That's kind of his mentality, I think, with the way he plays. Slippery in space. He can score off the dribble. You know, can uh, obviously score on set pieces, as you noted. And, you know, I don't. I didn't see the goal today, whether that was a PK or a free kick. But if he scored on a free kick, that's that's pretty remarkable in and of itself because the success rate of those in this tournament uh, hasn't been as significant as it has in the past, largely to, to the new implementation of players laying down behind the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, to make that wall a little bit taller. Uh, Rob, I did not see that goal. What was it? I didn't see that goal either. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that goal either. But I do have a quick question for Coach. Yeah. We're talking about ages of certain players, and this brings me to the U.S. team, Coach, a very young team, I believe mm-hmm. the youngest or one of, if not the youngest team in this World Cup. Mm-hmm. What did you see from them? A lot of speed. Uh, a lot of athleticism, uh, had a chance against the Netherlands in the knockout round early on, uh, but couldn't get it done. Just your overall thoughts on the U.S. soccer performance and, and its future now going in this more younger direction, it looks like. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the, a lot of narrative you see in the media right now about evaluating the performance of the U.S. team in the Cup, you know, is, making, is, is raising questions about their ability to score goals um, or lack of goal production during the tournament. But any soccer coach would tell you that's the toughest thing to do. I mean, that's why you see low-scoring matches across the board as the, the you know, the most likely scenario uh, in match play. I, I was, to be fair, I was really impressed with it. Uh, they were one of the youngest teams in the Cup. Uh, they didn't have this experience four years ago, uh, you know, with failing to qualify. Uh, they've got a lot of young electric players. Uh, one of the things I'm most excited about, I mean, we've had such issues at center back over the years um, where I thought, you know, throughout the, the, the four matches of the tournament, like did a really good job, um, you know, performing in the center back role. I think it was better than the standard has been for the U.S. Uh, I think the creativity and combination play was better. Uh, and you got, like I said, we've got a lot of young players that are playing in some very, very elite programs across the world now. Um, it's not just a collection of MLS players; it's a collection of, of truly the best players that represent our country. And I'm, I mean, I'm, su- I'm for one, I'm super excited to see the growth over the next four years, um, what that potential is. And there's, there's really strong players, you know, that weren't on the World Cup roster this year, um, or you know, there's obviously conversation about Gio Reyna the last 24 hours. Like that's a young, right. talented player that of, of the right mindset is going to make a massive impact in what we're doing. So I thought we had a really good showing um, to be that, that age of a team with a draw that we had to be able to advance out of it is um, uh, quite an accomplishment in and of itself. And then, you know, to have the ability to knock out phases and, and, you know, that's the game of soccer. If you watch the Netherlands match, like they were opportunistic, mm-hmm. we were not. And that's the difference. Right. When we talk about being opportunistic, Jeff, I'm looking at some of the stats from this semifinal today, and it wasn't quite what you would have thought. Now, 3 nothing, that's a blowout. That's a 42 nothing football score to me. But <laughs> uh, when I look at the possession time that they list here, Croatia had the ball 61% of the time. Uh, so 61 to 39. Had 12 shots. Argentina only had nine, but it looks like Croatia couldn't find the net and only forced uh, the Argentine goalie to make two saves. So uh, ten chances here that uh, they didn't make the best of, or maybe it would have been a competitive game. Sure. Well, one of the key stats when you look into that is when did Argentina score their first match or first goal? 30 minutes in. 30 minutes, yeah, about that. Okay, so like something else that can tend to happen too is right when teams score their first goal, uh, they tend to sit in a little bit lower defensive status. Uh, they sit in a lower block or a mid press. Uh, so some of that possession they allow to have in front of them, or some of those numbers can can get skewed a little bit. Okay. Uh, okay. So a first half goal will probably tend to that. Uh, if that had been level at halftime, I wonder if if the possession percentages or territory or chances would have changed. Um, because at the same time, like you allow the opponent to take some some lower risk chances when you have a I lead see. and not be exposed. Argentina scored twice uh, in a span of about six minutes uh, in the second half of the first half. So that would be uh, a dream dream uh, scenario for the winning team and a nightmare yeah. for the opponent. That's yeah. a lot of momentum change right there, especially if you're talking thirty and thirty seventh minute right before the half. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's what it was. From a coach's standpoint, Jeff, uh, with all you achieved 
this year, and uh, things look so bright for Michigan State soccer. Uh, this might be a tough question, but what would be uh, more fulfilling to you, leading a team to an NCAA championship and being national coach of the year or being chosen to coach the Women's World Cup team? Man, they'd be incredibly fulfilling uh, opportunities in and of itself. I could care less about the national coach of the year thing. If my team's winning and, <laughs> and great memories and all that, man, that's what it's all about. So yeah. you can take that caveat out. Um, okay. Man, that would be, I mean, both of those experiences would just be, be really surreal. You might as well do um, both. You know, sure, let's do, do that, one Jack. and then knock off yeah, the I'm other in. one. While I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I got a mentioned... new agent, I see. Yeah, you mentioned the portal, and uh, we know the way that works for a lot of sports. We know that football now, there's close to 1,500 players in the portal. Uh, we listen to Tom Izzo rant about the evils of the portal mm-hmm. on an almost weekly basis. Uh, for your program and for elite uh, college soccer programs, how vital is the portal? Uh, we know that Lauren DeBoe, uh, mm-hmm. came in from Central Michigan, right? Yep, correct. Yep. Yeah, it's, um, you know, in women's soccer, we have over 1,300 in the in the transfer portal currently. Wow. Um, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it's just, it, it is what it is. Like, it's here. Um, I think it does give, give players opportunities to find the best fit if they didn't find it initially or for the wrong reasons. Uh, I think it gives them the avenue when there's coaching changes or, or, or you know, like those are when when you go to play for a coach and that coach isn't there anymore. That's right. a significant change, um, in particular. But you know, I, I won't go on like an ISO level rant in terms of like what's the pros and cons here. But for for us, you know, like it's been critical to our rebuild. If there was no transfer portal when I got here, there's no way we win the, yeah. a big championship right. in year two. I mean, right. we had we had 17 brand new players uh, on our roster this fall out of 32. So. Wow. Um, you know, Syracuse that just won the men's cup uh, yesterday uh, did it through the transfer portal. They had, they had 12 right. players on their roster that were transfers. So, Indiana looked like they had a shot at it, right? And then they got they did. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. So, I mean, I think it's critical in all sports. Um, in ours, you know, you're, you're right. Lauren DeBeau uh, was in the transfer portal. Uh, Ruby Diodati uh, was a grad transfer to us this year. So mm-hmm. she was only with us for a year. Uh, and she was the defender of the year in the Big Ten mm-hmm. and has some opportunities now professionally. So I mean it's 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 absolutely critical. You know we'll uh, we'll certainly have some kids joining us in January and in the fall uh, to continue to that. But I think it adds a really for for all the negativity that can come with it. I think it does add some some real positivity in terms of blending new players that take previous experiences into what you're doing. Um, because it's that collection of, of different perspectives that that allow you to to see things from a different side and and really bring everybody together as a group in the end. When we had you and uh, DeBoe on the show together, uh, we asked about her future, and uh, Lauren Kozel's future seems very clear where she is mm-hmm. headed. Do you know what DeBoe's plans are for next year yet? Yeah, DeBoe uh, is going to uh, – she's going to enter the draft. So she uh, – you know, okay. we took a lot of feedback. We had a lot of conversation with clubs um, you know, about how she rates out, uh, what they see her as, what type of mm-hmm. position, those types of things. Um, and I think it's a really good opportunity for her. You know, she'll graduate with okay. a degree here from Michigan State. Um, obviously, she had just an incredible year 
uh, in year two here. She had a good year last year in her first year with us, but just a remarkable year this year and the steps that she right. took and, and the big moments she, she demonstrated. So I'm thrilled for her. Um, in the end for us, like, obviously we want to give players a platform to develop uh, you know, to, to play with passion and, and get better as a player, all within our team constructs uh, to work towards winning. And she's done that all the way along. And when you have an opportunity, you, you have to be uh, be proud and push kids in that direction. You don't seem like the kind of coach and competitor who would just say, okay, well, we lost our three best players. Uh, I guess this is a rebuilding year. Uh, I'm sure that you are in pursuit of high-level players who can – keep Michigan State at or near the level that uh, fans enjoyed so much. How is that process coming? Uh, it's an exhausting process, Jack, uh, but <laughs> it, it's worth it. It's worth all of it. Um, no, I am not that type of person. Um, you know, as it goes, I have this, this uh, my, my mother, I was a fourth grader. My mom uh, cross-stitched, and yeah. I don't know if it was Christmas or birthday, but I was in fourth grade. And she made this for me uh, that still is in my office here currently. And it says, everything will be all right. And then in small letters, as long as my team is winning. And uh, <laughs> at one point it had glass. It does not have glass in it anymore. Because uh, I was probably upset as a fourth grader over losing some competition. And um, no, we're not going to be resting on our laurels here for what we accomplished this year. Um, I'm really excited about the group that we do return. I think they're in the right mindset uh, to come back yeah. and, and and work in the off season here, get ready in January. Uh, last year's group did such an incredible job of that. And you're right, like with the, the way we've been able to build, um, you know, the initial part of our program here in 18 months, we have a lot of positive things to point to. Uh, this is a program that I think uh, is going to be a year in, year out, top 25 pushing for Big Ten championships on an annual basis. And it's attracting a lot of really high-level players, you know, both off the portal and in our recruiting classes. So uh, it'll look different, you know. And we talked about this with our team, Jack. Last year at this time, after a great first year, you know, we went from worst to first or to fourth in the Big Ten. Uh, Ava Cook uh, used her last year of eligibility. She was everything for us offensively. And, and that was the narrative, like, where are you going to score goals? Well, you know, we developed players. Players were more driven. Um, Jordan, DeBoe, uh, Cam Evans. They all, in fact, each scored more goals individually this year. We scored twice as much goals offensively. Uh, and so I think this group, the way they're wired, they're going to look at it and say, you know, these players graduate, et cetera. Well, it's my turn to step up and, and do a little bit more. Um, so I'm excited about the group we have uh, that we're working towards for the fall. Uh, I know they have no, no disillusions of trying to do anything but give their best effort. Uh, and I think when you do that, you do it the right way. You know, you can put yourself in position to win games. Nice salute that your team got at the basketball game at Breslin Saturday, too. Uh, I think the crowd really embraced that. Last thing for you, Jeff, and Rob, you can chime in on this. You guys both have forgotten more soccer than I will ever know. Uh, uh, is it Argentina? Is it France? Or could it be the upset of upsets and Morocco uh, take the World Cup? What do you think, Jeff? Rob, you want to go first? <laughs> Put the pressure on me. Wow, all right. Uh, boy, I mean, obviously, Messi, this is his uh, This is his moment. But, boy, France looks so good to me right now. Just give me a name. I'm just going to give you France. France. I'm taking France. Right. Jack, I almost caught you off on Morocco. No chance. Uh, <laughs> sentimental Argentina. I think, I think France takes it home as well. France, okay. Uh, 
I'm one of those weirdos who was rooting for Morocco, Croatia in the championship game. So that would uh, make okay. you. Uh, I I think we've got uh, a lot of people now agreeing with you that it's France. Darian Harris just told me last night that uh, he thinks it's going to be France. He he liked Brazil, but he he said France is the best team in the world. Here's one thing that that's a tidbit. I I don't like I think it's really hard for teams. Argentina wins three nil today. Yeah, I think it's really hard for teams that find a lot of offensive success in a match. They score a bunch of goals. Yeah. It's really hard for them to find the back of the net in the first half of the next match. Oh, it's okay. a false sense I'll of like that. attacking prowess. Okay. And so it wouldn't surprise me if Argentina's a little frustrated in the attack first half in the final, regardless of the opponent. Um, and, man, I tell you what, for a pass to Morocco, if Argentina is frustrated that first half and doesn't capitalize, all the pressure is on Argentina. Yeah. And maybe something that magical could happen. Uh, what he said. That's exactly what I'm, I'm going to go with. 